Welcome to Deep Look, Ultiworld's weekly radio show about the current state of Ultimate. I'm the host and the editor of Ultiworld, Charlie Eisenhood. We've got a very special edition of Deep Look for you this week. It's an all-star Ultimate Tour edition. We take a look back at the tour with three players from the tour, Chena Tickcomb, Megan Cousins, and Kate Scarth, as we talk about what the tour was like, some of the best moments, and what the legacy of the tour could be going forward. I'm joined now by three members of the All-Star Ultimate Tour. Very excited to have them here with us today on Deep Look. Here with me, Chena Titcomb, the founder and creator of the All-Star Tour, Megan Cousins, and Kate Scarth. Hello to all three of you. Thanks for joining me today. I guess what we're going to do here first is I'm going to have you introduce one another. So uh, we'll, we'll hear a little bit about your backgrounds for those that don't already know. So we'll start with uh, Chena. Why don't you just quickly introduce Megan for us? Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having us, Charlie. Um, so Megan Cousins uh, just finished her fifth year with Colorado Collie, um, and she currently plays for Molly Brown. Uh, she's played on the U23 women's team both in 2013 and in 2015. So uh, really a history of some pretty high-level ultimate. Um, she is arguably one of the best dancers from the All-Star Tour. Uh, Jacqueline is also high up there, I'd say. Um, and she had probably one of the best, uh, D's the entire tour in our game against Philly, um, on a swing pass. She just totally exploded, had a huge layout D. Um, if you watch footage, she's the one that's doing all the little things, right? Uh, specifically handler defense. Some of the wins that we had are largely in part, um, due to her, uh, focus and fire on defense. Um, so yeah, that's Megan Cousins. Fantastic. Thanks, Gina. That was <laughs> quite the intro. Um, <laughs> and Megan, you can pick it up and introduce Kate for us. Yeah, Kate Scarf. She is our one Canadian player on the tour. Um, she was a great asset to have. She is from uh, the University of Victoria up in Vancouver. And she played this summer with Fusion um, for most of the summer and then is now playing with. Uh, Vancouver traffic, which is an excellent pickup for them. And, and yeah, that's breaking we'll news here that. on the podcast. <laughs> breaking news. Just found out five minutes ago. Um, so yeah, Kate was awesome to have on tour. She was a lot of fun and she was um, a big part in helping us take care of our bodies. And we got turf, turf burn. She would all help. She would help us all with um, healing them, using hydrogen peroxide, having lots of fun while doing it. <laughs> all that <good> stuff. <laughs> Too much fun. <laughs> Great. And Kate, why don't you tell us about Chena? Yeah. Um, Chena just graduated from Tufts, where she was a huge part of the team. Um, I didn't get to play against her too much, but from what I heard and saw, she uh, was really great for them. And now she's playing with Seattle Riot back in her hometown, and um, I'll get to play against her a lot more, um, it seems like, coming up. Uh, she was really um, a huge... Um, obviously a huge part of the tour and it was really inspirational to watch her go through it. Um, she was constantly working and would still manage to have so much fun with us. So I really admired her for all the work she did at, at the same time as being just as much a part of the team as any other player. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much each of you for coming on. Uh, you know, it's been now a couple weeks since the end of the tour. We're back into sort of the swing of the club season and I think it's a great time to come back to it and talk a bit about some of the moments, some of the memories that you guys have already, and uh, sort of what the lasting impact can be of this tour that you put together. So quickly first, we'll start, we'll start off light. Just would love to hear from each of you just one moment that you thought was particularly awesome. And it can be a moment on the field. It can be a moment on the road. Uh, or anywhere in between, but uh, you know, don't don't feel like you need to come up with something amazing. Just something that would give people some insight into you know what it was like to be on the tour. What was a special moment for you? Uh, so, Chino, why don't you start things off? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, one moment that I remember, uh, and I think of this moment because Scarth is here 
uh, on this podcast with us. So we were driving from Portland to Colorado, and I think it was the so the day after our um, Portland game um, against Schwab. And it was about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, and we sort of realized we hadn't had dinner yet. People were starting to get grumpy in the back of the van. Um, and Slim is in shotgun, Stephanie uh, Lim. She plays for Fury, just graduated from Stanford. Um, and she kind of pulled out her phone and Googled food nearby. And turns out, I think we were in the middle of like, I think we were in Utah. Yeah, it must have <laughs> been Utah. And she's like, guys, like there really isn't much food around. We don't have very many options. She finds this one like weird sandwich shop um, and calls ahead and says, hey, we're 20 minutes out. Like, will you have, will you still be open? Will you still have food? And the woman there is like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, we'll have food. So 20 minutes later, we roll up and um, it's like, I think there's like 10 or no, there's like 13 of us in this van. Um, And the woman is like, what? Like, 13 of you guys like I thought it was just like a normal van you know just a normal car people. Um, and she's like I can only make four sandwiches and we look around and we're like what the heck there's like there's like 15 of us like we need more than that um, so we like split up the sandwiches and what ended up happening actually is that they had a bunch of really great pies um, and Scarth was particularly uh, like <laughs> tranced by these pies. I have like pictures of her looking at these pies. So what ended up happening is like most of us had some food, um, and then the rest of us uh, like also ate a bunch of pie. Really um, great pie, and it, really really good pie in the middle of nowhere, Utah. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of a special moment because uh, we were all together. It was late at night. We were in the middle of nowhere. Um, but we had each other and that was kind of a, a moment for me where I was like, wow, this, uh, we're on this tour. We're, we're really doing it. Awesome. <laughs> At least there was some pie to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Megan, how about you? Yeah. Well, speaking of pie, um, <laughs> back in Seattle, I think this was maybe the third day we were waking up, um, together before we had even played, Maybe it was the second day. And um, we were talking about pie for some reason. And Alika said something along the lines of, oh, I could make hella pies. And we cracked <laughs> up. We lost it. And so um, from that moment on, we kind of had this running idea that at some point during the tour, we'd have a pie-making contest between Alika. And at that point, Stevie was standing there as well. So Stevie would be a part of that pie-making competition. So by the time we got to Atlanta, we decided to make this um, pie-making contest um, a reality. And so we went to the store, we went grocery shopping, Alika picked out her pie ingredients, Stevie picked out her and pie ingredients. And then we spent the afternoon watching them make two different types of pie. I think Stevie or Alika made a, some sort of peach pie that she, um, decorated elaborately with, there was a star in there. It was insane. And Stevie made some sort of chocolatey sugar bomb pie that they ended up both being delicious. But the best part was that Stevie whipped up a quick third pie that she intended for Haley's face, and it ended up being Slim that took that pie to the face, which was quite an awesome moment in Hannah's house in Atlanta. <laughs> okay, well, you have to tell us which pie was better, because one was surely better. <laughs> oh, it's tough. I remember talking about this at the time. Um, they both it really depends if you're, Yeah, <laughs> if you're a fruit pie person or if you're a sweet pie person. Um, I don't know. I ate them both side by side, and I really liked them both equally. They both did a great job. Yeah, I only had a slice of Alika's pie, and, like, Stevie found out real fast. And she was <laughs> like, what the heck, Chino? Like, you didn't have any of my pie? So, I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you because I didn't, I didn't get a chance to have both of them. I think everyone thought that Alika was going to win, but Stevie came through with a pretty good pie as well. And so, that was surprising. She definitely won the surprise factor. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess pie is a theme on this tour, so we got that. Uh, awesome. So, okay, Kate. Yeah, um, mine is does not fit with the pie theme, but um, it was when we were staying over in Kansas because we didn't want to do or we couldn't do the full drive uh, that night. So we stayed in Kansas, um, being hosted by I think the coach of a friend or a teammate of uh, the Kansas team. And it was a, one of the nights that was our first really good team bonding night because we 
uh, didn't have a game for a while, so we just got to hang out and didn't have to worry about getting a, a good rest. So we spent uh, the night together. Some people were getting tired um, after a long drive, particularly the people um, in my van because we were in the what we called the hot van for that leg of the <laughs> journey, which which meant that we had dr- driven the plains of Kansas um, with the windows down completely in the van. So it was kind of a hot, sweaty, dusty trip. So we'd gotten there and um, taken a shower and figured it was bedtime. But um, that was our last night with Caitlin Fitzgerald. And she uh, rallied everyone up and got everyone moving. And I think it just really suited the atmosphere of the rest of the tour was that everyone was always up for anything just because we knew we had pretty limited time with each other. So instead of going to bed, we all stayed up. And that was a really great night from what I remember. <laughs> I agree. Well- <laughs> yeah, great. I, I think it's awesome to hear about some of these times off the field because we always, uh, you know, sitting at home watching, right? We got the looks in on the field and got to watch. And we're going to get into that stuff. So uh, we'll, we'll love to talk about some of the best on-field moments too, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll save that for a little bit later. Um, so I guess where I want to go first is I, I have a question for you, Chena. Um, uh-huh. As somebody who spent months preparing this and putting together a roster and putting together a plan and coming up with contacts with teams and venues and all of the work that goes on behind the scenes that most people don't even really see. Uh, You know, what was the experience like for you and how did it live up to what you thought it was going to be perhaps uh, versus what it ended up actually being and, uh, you know, and, and I guess sort of from your perspective, you know, what was the experience like in terms of setting it up and then being on the tour and being a part of it uh, all together at once? Um, I think from the outside perspective or just um, from the, the uh, public's view, I think it was extremely successful. Um, sort of in my deepest kind of darkest thoughts, I was like, Oh my gosh, is anybody going to show up to these games? Is any, anybody going to watch these live streams? Uh, like, will I find places to play? Will I get enough people on the roster? Um, so I think that sort of all, all of those questions that I had in my mind, uh, leading up to the tour, um, all these doubts really, um, the, the fact that it went so well, just exceeded my expectations. Um, and I think part of, part of having those questions and having those thoughts, uh, was really important because it pushed me to try to plan ahead as much as possible. Um, and to, to try to really work, work as hard as I could so that when I was on the tour, I could be part of the tour and not just constantly worrying. Um, you can definitely ask Scarth and, uh, cuz though, like I definitely worried a lot. I was yeah, but I I did my best to um to try to really be in the moment and and be a player as well as a organizer, which is definitely an interesting balance. Um, and, and I think that really so the second part of your question asking about the the experience of the whole thing, um, I think that was that balance was really challenging for me, um, being ha- having to do a bunch of the logistics stuff. Um, and making sure that people got to places on time, um, that was hard, but getting to play with the players right after that, I mean, that was the best part of it by far getting, getting an opportunity to step on the field with the best players in the country. Um, and that was really what made it, uh, uh, what made the experience for me. And I just should just say up front, if I, if anybody wants to jump in at any time with some follow-up thoughts or anything else, feel free to go ahead. Uh, I'm going to be a moderator more than a, you know, just asking individual questions. Uh, but I, I will follow up with this. The, um, what, what is, and I, I sort of asked this to the group and, and maybe Megan or Kate wants to take it. What is it? What is the is there, is there value in playing against your eventual opponents? You all now play for competing teams that all have hopes of not only doing well in the postseason, but probably winning a national championship. And I think those are all realistic uh, for your three for your three teams. 
Um, there aren't so many teams in the country that I think have a real shot at it, but you are on three of the maybe five. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of times in college, you know, you're so close to your individual team um, or even your club team. I think one thing that we saw happen with the next gen tour, and I'm curious to hear about what you think of this experience um, is just having a more mixing of players. Now, you you know, you guys may have started to meet a little bit more on the U23 scene, but what was it like to go out there with people uh, who may have been your opponents on, on the field in the past and are now going to be your opponents in the future? Uh, What does that bring to the competition when you go and you face those players now? It's, um, it was quite I, an excellent opportunity. Um, definitely growing up or going through college, playing um, against you know all these people, seeing them at tournaments time after time, and then finally having the opportunity to step on the field with them was really special, knowing that these are players that carried their college teams, and now we all get to come together and do something great. Um, not only college teams, but their club teams as well. Um, most of our teammates were players that had huge impacts on their or do have a huge impacts on their club team so it's really an awesome opportunity to step together or come together with your peers and do something like this yeah my thoughts on this are um I actually did have quite a few thoughts on this especially because I wasn't sure that I would be given the chance to go um and play against these girls at nationals um coming up so when the tour ended I thought what a shame it was that I had graduated college and many of the girls in the tour had just graduated as well. And I was just um, reflecting on the fact that it would have been so much fun to have known them on this level when we played against each other at college nationals and how it would have been fun to just see them every once in a while and um, joke around with them on the field and have a good friendly competition when we played each other. So now that I will get to, uh, to play against them, I'm really looking forward to it and it's always fun to see friends at tournaments, and now um, knowing these girls from different teams will give me that much more. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, go ahead. Kate, go ahead. You really. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you really uh, said it really nicely. I think that um, the All Star Tour is also part of strengthening the women's club uh, sphere as we know it. Um, get making those connections. Uh, between us as players, right? But also, I mean, we all met players from every single city we stopped at. Um, And I think those connections are very valuable moving forward. Um, And that's what I think what makes the women's division so unique um, is how close-knit and uh, tight the community is. What is it it like to play in front of up to many hundreds of fans? Um, you know, obviously, some players who are playing in the semi-pro leagues have had this experience, but I think most people that play ultimate don't really know what it's like to play in front of more than maybe a few dozen people on the sidelines of a game. Uh, how was it to go and play in you know under the lights in a stadium with hundreds of people there asking for your autographs before and after games? I really um really was so terrifyingly aware of how many people there were at our first game in Seattle um, early on. During warm-up, I could feel myself shaking from the nerves. And even in the first few points, just the the um, fact that the crowd was so loud, it was hard to ignore them. But after a while, you started to just be so um, so involved in the game that you, you almost forgot about the crowd. So, And I think as time went on, as games went by we really got a better handle on that I I mean I did personally um there'd only be a few moments in the game where I would take a step back and just appreciate the amount of people that had come out to watch us but later on it didn't affect me as much as it did in the Seattle game so I think it was something that um was really interesting to learn how to deal with from myself yeah I'd agree with um Kate in that statement exactly is that first it was definitely intimidating to look up at the crowd and see all the people and know that you're you're there to put on a show but then um, 
as the game went on and as you became more absorbed with your teammates and just out there knowing that you're just playing to have fun and to put on a show for these people, it became more appreciation at who and how many people came out to watch you play. Um, I definitely like what Kate said there about appreciating the crowd. Yeah, I think I think it was really interesting just because uh, we never really had the home field advantage. Um, and so whenever we played, we'd be playing with a crowd that was cheering more, the other team more so than us, I would say. Um, and, and that felt real when there were like incredible bids by the other team. It'd be like a huge, uh, either like a sigh or an ooh or an ah. Um, but I also noticed that like the crowd would react when we made great, like great plays as well. Um, and so for me, that was like the, that was the really awesome moment when I realized that they weren't just cheering for their home squad. They were cheering for all of us in the field. And that was a really cool moment. Um, separately, I, I mean, I've paid attention to the, um, to the crowd a little bit for sure. I was always sort of looking like, Oh, how many people do I think are here? And then sort of, uh, we had, we had a speaker in front of the crowd at each event and tried to grab somebody, a volunteer, to sort of uh, MC the crowd. So I was always kind of had an eye on that, wanted to make sure everything was going all right. Um, so I, I, I definitely felt the crowd a little bit uh, when I was on the field. Great. So let's talk about a couple of in-game moments. Uh, you guys obviously had a lot of great wins, just a couple of losses, uh, I think a lot of people look at that Brute Squad game as as really one of the the highlights. What were some of your favorite moments, whether it was a win or whether it was an individual play on the field? I'd say that one of my favorite plays that um, one of our teammates made was in the Ozone game. Um, I think it was towards the end of the game, and we were up in that game, but... Um, Haley made this incredible bid for a disc. I'm not quite, I don't quite remember who the throw was from, but then she stood up and without hesitation threw an, a giant hammer across the field to Lisa P. And it was just this moment of complete awe and like, wow, she truly is an all-star. That was an incredible play. And I really loved that moment. Yes, that was an insane play. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I think that my favorite on-field moment wasn't during a game or it wasn't um, because of a win, but it was a moment during our first practice when I realized that um, all of the reason that I was nervous um, was going to be okay because we were just playing a game that we all loved. Um, Coming in as the only Canadian meant that I had never gotten a chance to play with these girls, and... um, a lot of them had had the chance just a few weeks previously. So I was worried about how they would be watching for what kind of player I was. And I didn't want to disappoint Gina because she had kind of taken a leap of faith <laughs> on me. So I didn't, I didn't want to mess up at all. And uh, so going into that practice, I felt like there was a lot of pressure. Although everyone was so nice and so kind, I shouldn't have had that feeling. But I think just halfway through when we started to do some more game situation scrimmaging type things, it just became very clear to me that it was going to be a great time and there's nothing to worry about because we were just playing the sport that we love so much. That was my favorite moment, I think. Um, okay, s- side note, honestly, I don't. I think everybody exceeded my expectations um, mm-hmm. by like a million yards. And like, I, Scarth, I knew you were an incredible player. But holy cow, I did not know just how good you were. So that was incredible. Um, see, I think my favorite moment uh, was halftime of the Molly Brown game. Um, and actually, I was most excited to play Molly Brown this in the entire tour. Um, they'd had a lot of uh, change of personnel, but they'd always, they've always been an incredibly athletic and incredibly talented team. Um, and I've recently gotten a chance to play with Claire Chastain. So I was really excited to like match up against her. I thought that was going to be really fun. Um, and during that halftime of the game, I think we sort of just hit a groove as a team in terms of defining what our, like what our, our team culture was going to be. Um, and I really appreciated that the team culture included some fun. In fact, it included a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. 
so during that halftime, uh, Lisa and I were do- doing like the electric slide and there was some dancing. There was some Red Bull. It was just like an <laughs> amazing time. Um, and I just remember just sort of smiling at my teammates. And um, even though we lost that game, that for me, that was my favorite game. One of the things that people were talking about a lot, not only during when it happened, but subsequently, and even to some extent, once we asked for submissions for questions for this podcast, uh, was the fascinating moment where you guys decided to have a very open conversation about uh, some celebrations and spiking during the Philadelphia Green Means Go game that you had. So after the game, and I would love to hear some insight about who decided to do this and how it all happened, you all sat down as a team and had a conversation about whether the celebrations that were happening during that game were, were over the top. And this was a, a, really one of the most interesting moments in ultimate social media this entire year when there was live tweeting, essentially, of this conversation, quotes from players, uh, and you know a 40 or 50 tweet thread about the situation. So, uh, you know, spiking, obviously a, a, a hot topic on its own. You know, if you write an article about spiking, you're going to already get 50 comments. Um, but then to combine that with the fact that this was happening in sort of this high-profile tour, uh, it really magnified this moment. So without getting too much into whether spiking is okay or not okay, I would love to hear a little bit about just, you know, why you decided that you needed to all sit down and have a conversation? Who decided that it should be broadcast out to uh, everyone following the tour on online? And uh, sort of what has come of that since uh, we've now seen responses from obviously people online, but also Philadelphia Green Means Go on their blog? Um, I'll jump in right away and talk a little bit about the context. Um, I think that... First of all, I think that the the spiking and celebration after our Green Means Go uh, game came up multiple times with different players in different settings that very same day. So we were at uh, one of our teammates who hosted us, uh, Carolyn Normile's house, um, and it was interesting. I was like sitting indoors eating dinner, and people were talking about it. And then I went outside, and there was another group of players also talking about it. So I was like, oh, gosh, wow, this is something that everyone's talking about, everyone has thoughts on. Um, And we were sort of briefly talking about it. Some people acknowledged that maybe we should have a greater team discussion. Um, I know I personally received some texts of viewers that were watching, received some comments online. Um, And so I think that – and maybe Scarthen, because you guys can jump in here and say a little bit more about, like, who decided to have that meeting. I'm not really sure. Um, but I, I sort of had this moment, uh, right before we had this meeting where I knew we were going to talk about celebrations and spiking. Um, and this is when we were in New York city, right before our, um, game against bent the very next day. Um, and I, I'd been, I'd been sort of inspired by something that Gwen did, uh, at the U S open, which was she live tweeted, uh, USAU's, um, gender equity forum event, uh, via the Seattle Riot Twitter. And I thought that sparked a lot of really great conversation online. Um, and to be honest, I didn't know what was going to happen in that, uh, in, in our meeting. Um, but I thought it might be a good opportunity um, to have the outside, uh, this, to have the public sort of get an idea of what, what our thoughts were um, and sort of get an inside scoop on uh, what, what players were thinking. Um, and I asked SUNY Haley, who was our social media, uh, contact person for the entire tour to sort of sit back and find, find quotes if she could, or figure out a way to sort of live tweet this. Um, and from the very beginning, I mean, I explained to everyone, I said, Hey, I think this would be a really cool opportunity, um, to show people that we're having this discussion. How do you guys feel about this? Like, is it okay if SUNY tweets? Everyone seemed pretty okay with it. Um, and SUNY also backed it up by saying, Hey, if anyone is uncomfortable, uh, with their views being tweeted, just let me know, and I can either not tweet it at all, or I can um, not put your name. Um, and I, and nobody nobody was against that. Everybody wanted to be open and have a have a, a thoughtful discussion. Um, and so I think that that openness and that transparency uh, 
lended itself well to being live tweeted. My thoughts on the discussion uh, kind of came as a surprise to me. Uh, I guess I was a bit oblivious to it because I've never had very strong feelings on the matter. So when we began to discuss it as a team, it was really interesting to me because so many people had different opinions on the matter. Um, And personally, I think it's done a good thing for me because it's made me think a lot more about it. And where I've gotten to, what uh, has come of it for me is that I just see it as something that some people do to get themselves fired up or their teams fired up. And uh, for personally, I've never been one to spike myself and think that doing nothing almost says more in a way. But to see different people's perspectives on it really opened my eyes. And now I'm starting to think about it more often when I play. Um, Yeah, I think there's definitely an interesting conversation to have as a team. Um, I'm kind of on the same page as Scarth in that I was kind of oblivious to the whole conversation going in. Um, and I didn't really know what the meeting was going to be about until we sat there down there and started talking about it. And so it was definitely interesting to hear um, my teammates' comments on the matter and the obvious divide in opinions that um, came out of it right away. Um, and I think what we decided as a team is that um, the best option for us were celebrations that were shorter in length and respectful to the other team and incorporated lots of high fives and eye contact and team togetherness. And I really liked that. I think that um, celebrating together as a team was most important. And I'm glad we could, as a team, um, decide on one thing that we were going to do out of that entire conversation. I think there was a sense at the time, and and maybe was even mentioned as part of that tweet storm, that uh, perhaps this was a conversation, or at least some players on the tour felt that this was a conversation that uh, you know, maybe male players wouldn't f- feel the need to have, or that there would never have been any criticism had it been male players in this scenario. Uh, do you think there's a gendered component to spiking and celebrating that pops up uh, more because uh, you are on a, on a women's tour as opposed to a men's tour? Mm, I mean, I think that. Uh, I think it was Jesse Schaffner that brought up that specific point, um, which was, would we, would we be having this conversation if we were male ultimate players? Um, And, and so I I do, I do agree with that to a certain extent. Um, But I I think the situation is just a little bit different. Um, And something that Jacqueline brought up, Jacqueline Verza um, that I thought that sticks out to me now, like three weeks later is that, um, it felt the whole discussion felt less centered around uh, male or female players uh, in relation to spiking, more about how the All-Star Ultimate Tour has a specific mission of promoting an ultimate. And so we have a greater responsibility to be really intentional with our actions um, and to think about not just uh, how we're playing on the field in terms of spirit of the game, making calls, that kind of things, but also what happens like right after a point ends. Um, and the examples that we show people who are going to watch this, this footage for hopefully years to come um, and celebrating our teammates um, and keeping ourselves up and fired up, focused on each other and focused on having fun and playing well um, was really a focus for us. I think that gets to a great point as well. One of the main missions, and, and perhaps the main mission, and f- feel free to correct me, Sheena, if I'm wrong about exactly what I say. I'm going to be paraphrasing. Um, but promoting women in Ultimate and increasing the media coverage of elite-level women's Ultimate. Uh, how would you assess the tour's job at doing that? I think you know one thing we were talking about on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and I hope you all had a chance to listen to it, was how well the tour did do that. Um, in terms of being a, a, a sort of a, a you know a, a great series of showcase games and some awesome highlight plays, I think I don't think anybody would question that it was awesome and that there were some spectacular moments along the way and uh, obviously some some ESPN highlight reels, which are of course a component of media coverage. Uh, but how would you assess how well you achieved that goal? 
um, you know, when, when, when that's, you know, if that's the bar that you're looking to clear, did you clear it? And what does it mean for the future of elite women's ultimate and media coverage of the, you know, the, the division or the, or women's sport? Okay. That's a lot of, a lot of questions in one. So if I, yeah, I, please, I, 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 please I, tell me, I do that. So <laughs> no, you don't have to answer every question. I mean, I think there's a general idea there and we can, I can always circle back. Okay, great. Keep me on track. Um, <laughs> <We'll do. laughs> uh, I do think that it, it was incredibly successful um, in reaching that mission. Uh, and, and let's be clear, like stating a mission as grandiose as promoting women in ultimate, I mean, that's, that's really hard. Um, and I sort of knew that going into this project. Um, but I was also excited to have a project that was shaped by a mission. Um, and I think that like the next gen tour, for example, did not really have that same mission based focus. Um, so, so with that challenge also comes, um, a lot of great things and a lot of, uh, a lot of the framework by which I made decisions all throughout and really shaped, I think the, the culture, uh, of the team. Um, I actually have the stats, like the video stats right in front of me. Um, I just got a chance to look at them today. Um, and they're, they're great. Um, and getting a, getting eyeballs on some of the best, uh, ultimate players in the country is definitely part of the mission. Um, and in that respect, I think we really did succeed and in fact, um, exceeded our expectations. Uh, what I don't have in front of me is the, uh, the actual game, the game stats. I'm actually looking at some of the other video, uh, video watches, clicks, likes, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that was also a resounding success. And I think that those, the, the footage that we were able to create by playing these nine games um, will hopefully be used further down the road, whether that's just getting people to watch them, um, getting uh, coaches to use them for, uh, for footage to, to study. Um, you know, when UltiWorld does break down video analysis of uh, concepts on the field, I think that that would be another great place to use some of this incredible footage where a lot of awesome things are happening. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think that we did a, a good job in that regard um, in terms of – so the last part of your question was sort of what does the future look like for um, uh, Women in Elite Ultimate? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's – yes, absolutely. Um, well, I, I'm not sure if I can speak for an entire division uh, of players. Um, I know I come from a certain perspective and I've – uh, put a lot of work into the all-star tour. Um, I think that the all-star tour has definitely pushed the women's game forward. Um, and I think it'll continue to do that. I'm not sure what the future holds for the all-star tour, but I hope that it continues. Um, so I, I think only great things. Um, and that's, you know, the, from interactions that I've had with, uh, individuals personally, um, that comes from, uh, interactions that uh, fans have uh, post posted online via Twitter or Facebook, um, and from these stats that are uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, that's great. I think um, probably the biggest thing for me in terms of gauging the success of the tour and promoting Women's Ultimate was coming home and talking to people from back home after the tour had happened. Um, in particular, I have a coworker. Her name is Tara, and she's I think about eight years older than me, and she plays um, co-ed frisbee here in Denver. And she was telling me that she became such a fan of the tour. She was watching all the games. She um, loved it. And the biggest thing she said to me was that, you know, I was watching all these college ace girls and learning so much from watching the game. She mentioned once about like Alika's highly slick and all these throws that these girls already have. And she commented on how great our marks are and that she, that was never something that she's seen before. And hearing that from someone back home was incredible. And I think that probably extends further than just, you know, my coworkers. It extends to, um, you know, like the youth and little girls watching and, you know, anyone, any age. And it was really incredible to hear that story in particular. Yeah, something that really opened my eyes to what the tour was doing happened while we were on the tour. I think going into it, my thought was that it would be a great thing for younger players to see, um, for specifically um, 
young female players to look up to. And I think that I had been so focused on that aspect or that group that we were um, kind of not aimed towards, but that's the group that I had mostly focused my attention on. I realized that as we played, someone from the other teams would speak in the spirit circle. And the majority of the time, they would express how um, much of how they felt like they were fangirling over us and how they were our biggest fans, even though these women were um, equally as good players as us and they were playing in the women's division as club players, adult players. And they saw us as people that they could be fans of. And I thought that was really cool that it gave current players something to look up to and or not look up to, but just to be fans of and to connect with. Did you guys expect to dominate as much as you did in terms of not only just win loss, but also, you know, margin of victory and really competing and beating many of the best teams in the country and, and looking like a team really that if entered into the national championships would have a really legitimate chance uh, at making the semifinals or beyond? Um, I mean, I can sort of speak to to that part. Um, from an organizing perspective, um, I sort of did the best that I could in trying to, to bring together a, a variety of players that could bring a lot to the field, right? So I was thinking of um, offensive players and defensive players and handlers and cutters. Um, and I think that in my mind, I was so focused on sort of everything else except for the playing. Um, and then we stepped onto that field against Riot. Or I mean, we did we did practice the, the day before. But when we stepped on that field against Riot and we were playing so well, looking like a team that had played together for a long time, I think that moment for me was like, oh my gosh, this could actually work. And it's, it's not really something that had ever crossed my mind that we could we would fail. <laughs> um, so, so I think that I had just sort of this undying, this confidence in our team um, that like, yes, I knew we were going to have miscues and it was going to be hard at the beginning. Um, but that every single player on the squad was ready to buy into um, working together um, to, to be successful. I think some of the, the buzz coming out of this, caused a little bit of an interesting moment and that's that the commissioner of major league ultimate uh jeff snader sort of mused on twitter about the concept of a women's division in uh major league ultimate and so this question really is coming from uh, michelle wigianto and i don't know if i'm pronouncing her last name correctly sorry if i messed it up michelle uh but th th she's interested in knowing from you all what are your thoughts on uh, a potential MLU women's division? Um, and uh, do you, would you have any interest in such a thing? Um, I think personally, I would definitely be in support of joining this first women's professional league um, to be a part of the movement that progresses our sport. Um, I honestly don't know enough knowledge um, about professional leagues to know if it would be sustainable or something we could do right now. But I think that this tour was um, definitely a step in the right direction um, with more access to viewership and um, media coverage. And that's awesome. Um, I also think that, you know, if we put in more efforts to develop youth programs, that they would definitely help um, the sustainability of the sport and maybe make this women's MLU division um, a bigger possibility in the future. Yeah, I'd say the same thing as cuz, um, especially because I think about joining a team like that is just a dream. And for the longest time, it hasn't really, um, or for, for as long as we've been playing, it's not really something that we've been legitimately able to be, um, thinking about. So just the thought of it is awesome. And, it's just it was a fun lifestyle going to play a game every not so often compared to a tournament lifestyle that I think it would be something that would be really fun for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that if the All Star Tour 
um, has sparked this conversation, I think that's uh, already a big win. Um, and I know that part of the, the mission of the tour is to promote women in ultimate and uh, sort of at least try to tip the scale um, uh, of, of gender inequality, not just in our sport, but really uh, all, across, all across the board. Um, so in that regard, I'm, I'm happy that this conversation is, is happening. Um, I don't, it's, it's really hard for me to know whether or not a professional league for women's, I don't, I don't know if right now is the right time. Um, and I, and I, I just can't speak for, for an entire division. I'm not sure. Um, I do agree with what, uh, Scarf said, playing one game at a time was amazing. And I, I definitely, uh, played at the pro flight two weeks ago and wow, four games in a row, my cleats on for, I don't know, 12 hours. That was really challenging for me. Well, I, I, you know, I personally love the 50 mile per hour wins. That was my favorite part of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, I think, uh, it, it's, it's interesting to think about the potential of single game ultimate. Uh, or you know, sort of more showcase game style ultimate. Whether or not you want to call it professional, I mean, what we have now for in in, in the AUDL and MLU is really semi-professional at best. Um, but it is single game, and I think a lot of people prefer that. Do you find that you prefer the single game to the tournament style? I think that the games were different, not only in that respect, but also the fact that we had nothing to lose in these games. The purpose of them was to play good ultimate no matter if we won or lost there wasn't anything um hanging on the fact of, of the outcome of the game so that also changed the atmosphere of the games for me but i think that yeah playing one game in a day was awesome because it allowed you to really focus your efforts and really concentrate them because you knew that this was the one thing you had to do today and it wasn't that there was three games afterwards that you also had to start thinking about but um our games are also a little different in terms of the fact that we set up the fields beforehand, so we were a little bit um, distracted during that time, or at least I was personally, instead of using that time to f- focus up for the game. So I think switching from having fun setting up the fields and uh, arriving at the stadium, getting to know the area, and then switching into a mental focus when the crowd started filling the stands was something that I got much better at and something that I think would be more important in the the one game per day situation. Great. So going to wrap it up here shortly. It's been, I don't know if coming up probably on close to an hour at this point, which is awesome. Um, so a couple, a couple quick hit questions. Uh, so I, first of all, this comes from Adam Ford. What is it like to look up field and see Jesse Schaffner breaking deep with a step? Uh, <laughs> um, I'd say, I mean, it's great. It's like looking at <laughs> any really fast and talented cutter out there. You know, you know that she's going to come down with it. And I mean, anyone on this team, you'd look up and you knew that it was an automatic good choice, which was really awesome. Yeah, I feel the same way. I have a horrible tendency to see something like that and instantly do it without a second thought so something like that is too tempting for me that i would almost uh, be too willing to throw that especially for shop <laughs> yeah i mean i think game, I, uh, yeah no. um, i think obviously that is like an incredible thing uh, to see downfield and i definitely threw to that cut multiple times um i think for me what the most important part is is that if maybe I wasn't feeling that throw or if the angle was a little off, um, there were five other people on the field that were going to get open, uh, or that were already open. And those are five different options and five different people that I trust a hundred percent. So, um, that was like incredible to be on a team where every single person on the field, uh, is somebody that you can trust and that you can, uh, throw to. Absolutely. Okay. Next one. Who ran the Stars in Cars Twitter account, which was the, uh, I guess, like the sort of the team, I don't know how you would describe it. The alter team, ego. <laughs> the alter ego. Uh, and, uh, and this is from Adam Ruffner. And why was it the best idea of the tour? 
Um, I set up the Stars and Cars uh, Twitter as an hashtag unofficial Twitter, um, and every single player had the password. So uh, the tweets, it was sort of funny. I would sometimes check the the Twitter, and I'd be like, oh, who posted? Oh, that's hilarious. It's somebody else in the other band. <laughs> so it was kind of cool to get to, get a chance to like see what other people were up to, especially since we weren't all in the same bands, um, and just have like different kinds of humor on there. So, yeah. Uh, okay. And, uh, just to kind of go back, circle back to sort of the beginning, uh, what, you know, we talked before about one of sort of the best moments of the tour. What was one of the more challenging moments of the tour? Um, whether it was not being able to eat enough food one night because there was no sandwiches or, uh, what, whatever the, <laughs> whatever pie. the case may be, there was pie. <laughs> Um, I think one of the biggest challenges for me was um, the drive from Oregon to Colorado and then having to play in the Molly Brown game. Um, that was a drive where uh, the the hot van, as we mentioned earlier, um, was struggling and had to kind of go a little slower than the other van. So all of us players had to pile into the one van and drive um, halfway across the country together. Um, which was really great, actually. It was a lot of fun to be all together as um, a team. I actually really liked that a lot, but um, it didn't lend to much sleeping um, in the van during that stretch. And so I felt that coming into the Molly Brown game, um, I think we were all pretty exhausted and tired and hadn't slept a bunch. So it was definitely a challenge to you know get out of the vans, try to rewarm up, try to get your muscles loose before a game, um, set up the whole field, play the game, tear it down, and then be off driving again. So um, we definitely got used to it a little more by the end, but definitely at the beginning, that was a big challenge. Yeah, I'd have to say the same thing just about the sleep because there's always so many fun things going on that it was so tempting to <laughs> ignore the fact that you, you probably needed a few more hours of sleep that night. Uh, so being aware of that early on was something that I got better at sticking to, I think, it's important to get a good sleep, especially when we had the games that were a few days in a row. But it was also so worth it when I think back to it now, missing that much sleep just to hang out for a few more hours. I think the most challenging point for me was actually every single time I put my cleats on. Um, so it was usually like an hour and a half before game time. Um, we had 15 minutes of personal time and 15 minutes of throwing. Um, and somehow right up till that hour and a half, there was still like five things that I needed to do. Um, and so there was this moment where, um, at, you know, in, inevitably before every game, I would put my cleats on and just sort of had to let go and turn on, uh, turn on my player side and turn off, um, sort of my, my organizer side, um, and like that mental switch, especially in the first three games, was really challenging. There was a moment during our Portland game before I, I like went into the bathroom to change, and I was sort of tearing up. It was like so hot out, um, and I wasn't sure how we were going to react. We just lost to traffic, and now we were playing schwa. It was really windy. Um, so really, that moment when I would put on my cleats, that mental switch was that was the hardest part for me throughout the entire uh, tour. Well, I have to commend you for that because you did a great job. It really looked every game like you were so into it and you're always smiling and you held yourself to that standard that you had set. And it was really great to see someone so able to do that. It was awesome. Thanks, Garth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the challenge of organizing and trying to be a part of the team simultaneously. Uh, is this is something that you would want to do again? Uh, what you know, now, and I say that in sort of two parts. To China, obviously, to organize it again, um, and and then of course to all of you, would you play again? Um, and do you hope uh, if you're not personally going to be involved for whatever reason, do you hope that the tour comes back next year? Uh, and is that in the plans? Again, that's like five questions, but pick and choose. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I'll start, I guess. Um, I think that I would love to see the All-Star Tour continue beyond this year. I'm not sure what that that uh, future holds, whether that's every year, every other year, if it happens again. Um, but I think the work that it's done 
has been incredible. And I would love to see that work continue uh, just to, to push women and ultimate forward. Uh, so in that regard, I would, I mean, I would love to see the Ulster tour continue. Yes, I agree. Um, 100% put me back on that van. That was the best <laughs> time of my life. I would do that again in a heartbeat for sure. <laughs> I feel the same way. And it's funny because before the tour going into it, seeing 20 days ahead of being in vans with girls that I hadn't really met before was so daunting. And me being someone who needs my personal space and personal time, I was really worried about it. But it was so funny how arriving home after the tour and sitting alone for the first time was so weird and awful. And I hated being alone. So (laughs) it really was the opposite of what I expected. And I really would love to do it again if the chance was there. You guys have been so positive even since before we started recording um, and just like excited to talk to each other again on, on, <laughs> on Skype, but, which is awesome. But I, I mean, it sort of leads me to wonder, like, did you guys ever fight with each other? I mean, normally, like, I can't even be alone with like my friends in a room for like a couple hours before we fight about something. Um, so, th- th- you know, were there were there arguments? Did you guys get into it ever? Did you, you know, snip each other about a bad throw on the field? Um, or was it always just you guys were loving every minute of it? I can't think of anything that wasn't ever so much fun and so positive. Um, but that's just me. I don't think anything ever happened that was negative. I think Tina t- chose well. And I remember <laughs> talking to her on the phone um, when we were discussing the, the idea of the tour. And she was like, yeah, like, I don't really know you. But um, I guess the idea is that we generally, <laughs> like people on the tour are going to have to get along with each other for this long. So I was really impressed that she was going to go out on a limb, like I said, to trust that I wasn't going to be someone that was not fun to be with on the tour. I think that, um, you know, developing a structure that we would play under and O-lines and D-lines and how we would facilitate playing time was definitely a topic that um, lent itself to team tension, but it never really got out of hand that way. And I think that our captains and our strategy committee developed a structure and a system for playing time and everything in that regard that ended up working out really well. So while at first it was a bit of a struggle to um, develop our own strategy, I think that by the end we were able to operate within our strategy really well. Yeah, I mean, for the on-field stuff, Jesse Schaffner, Steph Lim, and Hannah Leathers did an incredible job uh, bringing us together. Um, and it's sort of addressing these really tough issues that cause you were just talking about. Um, and then Lisa Pekathley and Alika Johnston did also, uh, the, probably the hardest job of all, which is sort of in game adjustments, um, that allowed us to be successful. Um, so having that kind of leadership that made the sort of the on-field stuff, uh, happen pretty easily. Um, in terms of things that I can't think of a, a time when anyone got upset, I, I know whenever mm-hmm. I like turned it over, I would like just look over at Lisa and we would just burst out laughing. And I was like, Oh gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Um, so I was like mostly trying to like keep it light and not take anything too seriously and not lose the fun. Um, I think that there was one point, I think when I, I can't remember where it was, but Jacqueline brought up that um, we sort of need to take care of our bodies a little bit better um, in terms of post play recovery. Um, and so the all-star tour, uh, provided players with some recovery food, um, just snacks, deli meats, chocolate milk, um, fruit after a game. Um, and from like an organizing perspective, I noticed that once we started doing that, uh, people were a lot happier. (laughs) There was a lot less (laughs) happiness. Um, and so I was like, Oh my gosh, like we just need everybody to be fed and then it's going to be great. Um, so like I kind of had this mental switch where I was like, okay, this is, this is really important. So, um, that, I mean, like that's the only time that I could really think that I noticed any, any change in grumpiness, but it's not like people were grumpy before anyway. So I, I mean, I don't know. It was just great. (laughs) We were just hangry. (laughs) Yeah. Just hangry. Everyone just needed a Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's finish with this. Um, you know, for year one of the All Star Tour, what do you hope the legacy of this is uh, going going forward? Work hard and play right. So playing with excellent sportsmanship, um, excellent respect for your opponent and your teammates. 
just an idea. I, that, um, <laughs> I think that um, playing with all of our peers um, and then seeing them again at other tournaments definitely um, gives you a new respect for your opponents. Um, and I really love that a lot. And so I think that coming out of this, um, being respectful and, yeah, like Tina said, playing with sportsmanship is a huge part of our sport and something that sometimes gets forgotten. But I think um, that could definitely be a legacy here is that even, yeah, like we can play with sportsmanship and respect no matter what the situation is. I hope that the legacy it leaves is a very positive one and it's one that future and current players can look at and look up to and think that that's the level of play and the style of play that I want to work towards to be a very respectful player and having fun while doing it. I think that's very important. Well, I want to thank all of you so much for coming on. Uh, it's, it's great to hear from you about this stuff and uh, wish you all the best at your respective regional tournaments. And I'm sure we'll see you all at nationals. Yeah. Thank you thank so much you. for having us, Charlie. Thank you. That was Chena Titcomb, Megan Cousins, and Kate Scarth of the All-Star Ultimate Tour. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you here again, probably later this week, on another edition of Deep Look.